Thanks for joining me on the latest episode of The Property Perspective. I'm Michelle Chiselski, partner and head of residential research at Knight Frank. Knight Frank recently launched the Wealth Report 2021 with a focus on the global perspective on prime property and investment. The publication covers chapters on wealth, cities, home, investing and passions of investment. Locally in Australia, we wanted to further explore the chapter on investing and how family offices are investing post-pandemic. In this podcast, I'm joined by Knight Frank's Joint Head of Private Office in Australia, Sarah Harding and Kimball Dunn. Welcome to you both. Thanks. Thanks, Michelle. I guess we'll kick off by how do you both best describe your role at Knight Frank? My current role within the private office at Knight Frank Australia allows me to be completely dedicated to our private office clients and ensure we look after all of their property needs currently and look to assist on future needs too. I've been fortunate enough to work across three continents during my 16 years at Knight Frank, starting in London, Singapore, with extensive time building relationships in Asia Pacific and now here in Australia. The global reach and relationships that I have built gives me the ability to really understand our clients' needs and also identify opportunities that they have perhaps not considered. Together with Kimball, we focus on a small portfolio of our private investor clients. In addition, I'm also very passionate about our social licence to operate and I currently chair our corporate social responsibility board here in Australia. So from my point of view, Sarah's and my role is as a central point of contact for our key clients across residential property and investment property. Around and investment, you mean commercial? Or non-residential properties. Anything, yeah. anything that falls outside Correct. Resi. Something that, would, that gives you an income stream. And I'm really talking about around Australia and also connecting them with our private office network globally. So before we go any further, we're talking about the rise of family office what is a family office? It's a professional management team that is set up to assist a family with their estate planning, uh, the management of their portfolio. It could have to do with how they transition the wealth from one generation to another. It's a range of things, but essentially it's moved away from a family concern whereby only family members were involved in how money was to be invested and how it was to be split up. So these professional managers are quite often lawyers or accountants, estate planners, wealth managers, and these are the people we're now finding we're dealing more directly with as they look to use the services of Knight Frank on the property side. And where these people have made their money has been quite interesting. They've usually been very entrepreneurial, so it's uh, 42% have come from their own businesses, whereas uh, 24% from their investment portfolio. Yeah, that was quite interesting in the the attitude survey of the Wealth Report to come up with those numbers. And I think that'll probably change a little because Australia's a young country and we've had entrepreneurs, but we're now starting to see real wealth filter through to family members, so there'll be a lot more inherited wealth. So I would think we'll see a little bit of a shift here more towards the investment portfolio as being the generator of the wealth. I mean, it's clearly evident that wealth continues to be created despite, you know, we're currently living in a a global pandemic. 
When we asked more about this in the Attitude Survey, we found that globally 43% of those advising family officers felt their family's wealth had increased in 2020, and they expect this to rise to 72% in 2021. So very much what you're saying there. In which property sectors do family officers invest most of their wealth? So globally, Michelle, the residential private rented sector tops the list with 27% waiting in their portfolios. This is followed closely by 24% in offices and then 10% in hotels and leisure and 10% in retail. When we're talking to our clients, they are keen to diversify their portfolios for a variety of reasons, but mainly to minimise their risk and to maximise their opportunity. Our clients are notably wealthy and already experienced in the property arena. However, we'll always seek expert advice before making decisions. And that's where Kimball and I come into play. Mm -hmm. Over the coming years, the Attitude Survey revealed the residential private rented sector is still expected to be the most dominant sector in their property portfolios, with 35% stating they're becoming of more interest to them. In saying that, though... 35% of family offices are also looking to invest more in industrial and logistics, expecting to increase their 11% current global average weighting. And 28% want increased exposure to development land within their portfolios. It's very reflective of the market at the moment, I guess, from a COVID perspective and looking at logistics, you know, more favourably due to the uh, online retailing, but also development land, obviously, the residential market is is heating up. So we're seeing a lot more inquiries for development land. We've also seen, too, the infrastructure in New South Wales. I think $104 billion has been spent by the government into rail and roads. And so land will appreciate considerably. And that's where the real interest is, providing where there's an income stream. Mm. But then I guess even on the West Coast, you know, with things heating up in the WA market, you know, we haven't seen a lot of activity in development in Perth, but we're starting to see a lot more uh, interest in that area. And Perth has mining as well, doesn't it? Absolutely. I mean, it's certainly what's driving the market at the Mm. moment. Yeah. So I guess, Kimball, while we're on some of the things that have been happening in our world, what are the three biggest issues affecting wealth that will most worry wealthy families in 2021? When we did our attitude survey, it was interesting getting the results back, but uh, the top three, number one was COVID, and so it was the ongoing disruption by COVID, and that's natural because that's changed our lives, hasn't mm-hmm. it, over the last 12 months considerably, and probably will continue for a while now until we get our vaccine sorted. So that stopped Australians going anywhere. Uh, the second reason has been the domestic government policy, and then the final reason in the top three was tax issues. Now, I think that'll change. I think COVID's really reshape that order because privately what I get back is the greatest concern is the succession planning of wealth. It's the fact that a lot of the entrepreneurs are getting older but still want to retain an interest in their business and investments but so too are their children and grandchildren and so it's then a concern about how do they pass it on. Are their children even interested in the work that they were doing? So I think we'll see that change as we get more control over COVID. 
tax, of course, won't change. I know. I don't think tax ever ever changes. It always tends to be at the top of <laughs> top of the list when we ask that question of our clients. Exactly. But in saying that as well, they're, they're the global numbers. So you know, if there's some of the things that are driving our local market, yeah. it's great to have you guys on the ground to actually marry up those issues, but also come up with solutions for them. So I guess, Sarah, on the flip side of that, uh, what are some of the biggest issues affecting wealth that will most excite these wealthy families over the coming year? So when we interviewed our 600 clients as part of the Attitude Survey, a staggering 76% of them said that new investment opportunities in a post-pandemic world is what excited wealthy families the most. That's actually quite interesting given on the worried list, it was 70%. So we've actually got more optimistic families heading into 2021. I agree. And I think that was something that really shone through in all of the wealth reports. It was the notion of emergence. You know, how are the wealthy going to emerge post-pandemic? And we see that throughout. And then followed by the new investment opportunities, it was technological disruption as an opportunity at 44%. And I think, you know, this is a huge opportunity for our clients. I mean, how would we have coped during the pandemic lockdown without the technology at our fingertips? But I think we all realised working from home, working flexibly, were we able to survive without the Zooms, without the Teams meetings, without the ability to do online shopping? Mm -hmm. And I think everyone wants to be prepared. And if anything, I guess it advanced a lot of software packages and online Mm. platforms that possibly were in very early stages of being developed and they've actually amplified it through that time. It became an exciting phase and investment in those areas came thick and fast, didn't it? So the opportunity to get ahead of the curve and make the most of these technological disruptions was evident with 44% and then followed by improving geopolitics at 33% excited the wealthy families within the Attitude Survey. Yeah, I guess we've had quite a lot of disruption, you know, in that geopolitical environment globally. Uh, so I guess as we, you know, move forward, I think things may settle down now that we've had a global pandemic to make us realise the things that are important in our lives. This will be an interesting figure to watch for the 2022 Attitude Survey. It'll be interesting to see what, what it comes back as. As a result of COVID, globally, families expect international travel to reduce, you know, up to 85% for business and 79% for leisure. Kimball, what long-term implications will this have for your ultra-wealthy clients? Australians love to travel. So we know globally that everybody travels, but Australians just love it because we live so far away from everybody. We certainly make the most of it when we go somewhere, we, don't we? And we, we? go as far away <laughs> yeah. as we possibly can for as long as, as we As long as we can. can. <laughs> exactly. I think that um, because of COVID that people have been they've been brought back to their home base, had to focus on their families. Uh, and if they're living away from their families, they've realised that that's probably not a good long-term solution. So I think on the domestic scene, we're going to see homes change and probably lifestyle properties, the importance of lifestyle properties will change as a good meeting place should this happen again families will start to think about worst case scenarios and build for those where we were calling them bolt holes before but I imagine there'll be safe haven locations globally where a family feels they can go to be safe together and there'll probably be the island countries that Sarah and I have been talking about 
in the southern hemisphere. So they're probably going to be the kind of Singapore's and Australia's and New Zealand's and those kind of countries that will benefit from that kind of positioning. I've noticed investors um, and our clients have just relaxed and they've looked in the short term that COVID is a problem that they can't do anything about. But because they haven't borrowed lots of money, they're not overly worried about it all. I think they're sitting back and they want to see the landscape change. They want to see opportunities come their way. Most of them have become counter-cyclical. So they're looking at the unloved areas. I wouldn't mind betting that we'll see general retail, hospitality, and those areas which have been most hit come back with these people looking at those assets and seeing if they can come up with new ideas. I don't think we're going to see a lot of these people just jump into the hottest market, which might be the industrial market, unless they're already in there. Mm-hmm. So I think that they'll wait and see how things go. That'll be their long-term goal. You know, we're seeing in Australia so many different parts emerging, so many new parts emerging, and I think they'll be at the cutting edge or the coalface of those locations. Something I noticed in the Wealth Report that 49% of global families are becoming more interested in ESG-focused investments than they were 12 months ago, which I guess it feeds into that improving and you know making that asset the best it can be in its class um, and obviously bringing in some of those elements. And also that 54% of families had increased their philanthropic activities as a result of the pandemic. What causes are they becoming more interested in? I mentioned at the beginning of the conversation that I also have a role at Knight Frank as chair of our corporate social responsibility board. And personally, I think it's really important to have a purpose that's separate from my day job. This purpose is different for everyone. However, my passion is always driven by making a difference, particularly when it comes to gender and diversity and working towards balance within the property industry and in leadership roles. But coming back to your question and talking about our clients and the causes that they become more interested in. So it's not surprising that globally 82% of families are becoming more interested in healthcare and disease prevention causes over the past year. It's no longer just enough to give to charity. The wealthy and our wealthy clients want to be seen to be making a difference. And globally 72% are becoming more interested in conservation and the environment. Within our wealth report this year, one of the world's most famous photographers, David Yarrow, he actually flew to Australia in early 2020 to capture the devastation of the bushfires. And he launched the campaign, hashtag Koala Comeback. And it really raised awareness for the devastation that was caused here within Australia. Yeah, the photos are absolutely stunning that he captured. You know, a moment in our history to capture that on film the way he has is is really something. In a world where we've constantly talked about the pandemic, as Australia, we have coped with the pandemic very well, but we've also had to battle last year with the bushfires and then the devastation of the floods. Environmental causes are here and they are here to stay and we have got to have the wealthy population make a difference so that we can make a change. And then finally, globally, 71% of our clients said that they're becoming more interested in education causes. We've noticed that with the movement of money from one generation to the next, certainly those that are less entrepreneurial and more interested in the development of their investment portfolios, they've taken a greater interest in social concerns. 
And so I suspect we're going to see the environment become more interesting to them and how they will look to invest in organisations that take their role in the environment more seriously. We'll see more ethical funds emerge. And I think that with philanthropy, that what will actually occur here is that rather than just give money to charity, we'll see serious amounts of money go towards causes where they feel they can actually make serious change or even as Bill Gates has done, look to eradicate the world of polio, for instance. So there's a lot more money. There's a lot more interest in the role that these families are playing in the world at the moment. And I seriously think that we're going to see considerable change there and let's focus on just making money for the sake of making money. So on that note, for more information, download the Wealth Report 2021 from the Knight Frank Australia website or social media channels. I've been speaking with Knight Frank's Joint Heads of Private Office in Australia, Sarah Harding and Kimball Dunn. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks, Michelle.